I too did not notice that anything went out. And I was like, oh, uh, okay, sure. I had no idea that anything kind of uh, changed. So it's one of those things where if it affects you, it just blows up your whole world. And if it doesn't affect you, you're like, oh, okay, sure. Didn't know that happened. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Hey, this is Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And welcome to the SnobOS Show, the show for Apple snobs where we talk all things Apple and then some. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the SnobOS Show. We want to thank our Patreon supporters for their continued support. We want to thank you for your continued support of listening and or watching our show. If you want to become a Patreon supporter, you can definitely head on over to patreon.com slash snobwestcast to watch the live show and get exclusive content and also to sign up to become a Patreon supporter. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into this week's show. We're going to kick it off with the lowdown where we talk all things Apple. First up on deck, I figured this would be very pleasing to you, Brother Tech, as this is something that you have been waiting for. While it hasn't rolled out to all of the eight states it was originally um, uh, intended to, to, to roll out to, Apple Wallet's digital driver's license and ID have now gone live in the state of Arizona. This was confirmed um, by Apple on Wednesday um, for Arizona. With Colorado, Hawaii, Mississippi, Ohio, and Puerto Rico also pledging to come along on board. So I don't know if that means that Georgia is no longer in play. I don't know. But these were the states that were mentioned. So with this Apple Wallet um, driver's license, digital driver's license, and state ID, um, this uh, can start to be added um, now. is is actually live for the state of Arizona. And to begin the process of adding your digital driver's license or state ID, you just go and tap the plus button once you're inside of the wallet app. You select driver's license or state ID, and then you follow the on-screen setup instructions. Now, there are a couple of things that kind of go along with this because this is a state-issued form of identification that is um, used uh, for identifying purposes. So in addition to following the on-screen prompts, you will be asked to scan both the front and back of your actual physical driver's license. And you will also have to take a selfie. I'm assuming there's some sort of um, technology in there that compares the picture to the actual person. Additionally, there's another step that's in there from Apple that is intended to be used for fraud prevention. And this is where the user, once they go through this process of setting up, they are prompted to do a a series of facial and head movements. I'm assuming similar to when you do your face ID um, to unlock your phone uh, for when you're the new one, when they do the math, they kind of focus on the eyes. Um, But this is also a part of the setup. And the other piece to this is Apple is not responsible for verifying the your request, which is what when you go in to add your driver's license to the wallet, the state is responsible for validating. Yes, this is a valid ID. Yes, this is a valid um, person. And that's one of the things when, you know, all this was coming to fruition, Apple was lobbying different states to be participants in this pilot because it is a two-way street. Apple can, of course, collect the data, but they needed to work with the states to ensure that there is a verification process to make sure that the ID is valid because each state has a different type of ID, different types of barcodes, scans, validations, uh, databases. So they're saying that, yes, we can add these to your phone, but the state itself is going to have to validate and verify that this is you and that this is a valid ID. The other thing that I thought was interesting along with this TSA, um, there are 
specific um, TSA um, checkpoints um, in certain airports. I didn't, I wasn't able to find the list of uh, airports um, that were taking this, but it is being accepted at TSA um, at security checkpoints. So, you know, when you normally go to check in, have to show your ID and, and scan and all that good stuff, you will be able to now tap your iPhone or your Apple Watch um, at the reader rather than having to show a physical copy. Again, the driver's license and state IDs are supported in the Apple Wallet on iPhone 8 or later, running iOS 15.4, and on Apple Watch Series 4 or later, running watchOS 8.4 or later. So we got our first state that is on board for this. Do you anticipate more ramping up pretty quickly or? It'll be a slow grind simply because the only place this works for us being end user is the TSA, right? So you have to be on an airplane or you have to be traveling. Um, you know, that's not back to normal because of COVID. Um, so it's going to be a slow grind. Now, once this becomes acceptable at more places or more facilities or more institutions, in addition to the TSA, um, it'll be a slow grind because what's the point? Not what's the point, but there's a lot of, like you mentioned, all these bullet points. There's a lot of hoops you have to jump through to get this set up. The user has to do all these three and four steps. The state has to then approve the request because Apple is like, yo, we just put the wild, we just put the ID in the thing. We are not going to be responsible to where if something happens, we are in the middle. We are not in the middle. We are just the, the, the mechanism for which users and state can work together via these IDs, right? So each state, like you mentioned, is different. The DMV, whatever, all their process is different. So each state individually has to work with Apple to be able to come up with a system on their end to approve this request for the the ID to actually be legit in the Apple wallet. The third thing, like I mentioned, it's only available at TSA. Like uh, Charles mentioned, who's our one of our snobbists who's watching, he said, you'll, you'll need to hand your phone to the police. The answer is no, because the police don't accept this right now. <laughs> now, when more places like uh, law enforcement, like uh, major concerts, major events, whether it be sports, whether it be concerts, whether it be shows, things of that nature, when it becomes they can support that, then more states will jump on board but right now, only the TSA is doing it. So it's going to be uh, a slow grind uh, to answer your question. They'll likely have to have some sort of reader. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Now, once more places become acceptable, it'll almost be like um, the police. If I get pulled over and the police need to verify my information, they'll have their phone. They'll have their reader, um, similar to how Apple just... Apple Pay, because everybody didn't accept Apple Pay until they started getting the readers at the different retail locations. Right, right. And then, like, just, what, last week, Apple um, uh, started the uh, tap to pay with an iPhone. So I don't need to have an iPad with a separate reader. I can use my phone as a merchant, like if I'm selling uh, my phone, selling something. Instead of me having a separate reader, separate POS... I can set up the tap to phone on my phone and then you buying something for me, we can touch our phones and then that's how we do the transaction. I would assume that'll be the same thing for the police. If I get pulled over, police need to get my information. I won't hand them my phone. I'll just tap my phone to theirs. And the only information that gets transferred is my ID. But until that happens, to answer your question, this is going to be a super slow grind. Yeah, yeah. At least it's moving. We are heading towards the... We're getting there, slowly but surely. Yep. I wait for the day to where all I got to do is take my phone and I'll have to take my wallet so I don't have to lose my wallet and have to go cancel all these credit cards. Mm-hmm. If I lose my phone, I can very quickly turn off access to that versus yep. trying to dig through and figure out what credit cards I need to cancel. What I had in my wallet, what yeah, I didn't right. have in my yeah, wallet. Yeah, right, exactly. So this is once it gets mainstream... I believe it'll be uh, a benefit, but again, you got to get everybody on board and that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Yeah. 
whole nother story. Because if you don't have an iPhone, this isn't going to help you. So next up, Apple Card may be going international. As you know, both Terrence and I have Apple Cards and it is a US-based credit card only. But um, Apple has recently purchased a UK startup, which is a credit scoring startup. It is said that Apple has acquired credit kudos for approximately 150 million ducats. And credit kudos is um, a service for banks um, that aims to help them better and more quickly access the credit worthiness of anyone applying for a credit card. So um, Apple nor Credit Kudos has come out and confirmed that this sale has happened. Um, I was reading um, on one of the stores. I'm not sure if it's the one from Apple Insider or not or somewhere else that I saw. Um, but if you go to the Credit Kudos website and go down to the privacy link, it takes you over to Apple. So people are saying that this is essentially the first step into getting the Apple card internationally. Both Tim Cook and the CEO of Goldman Sachs have both said previously that we're starting in the U.S. with the Apple card with the intent to allow this to go international. So this is being universally seen as the first step into ensuring that other people outside of the U.S. will have the Apple card. So my question is, if this is Apple's attempt to bring the Apple card international, what purpose? I, I still don't understand the purpose of credit kudos. Number one, how even if they did Apple didn't buy them. How are they making it easier for banks to uh, deem or uh, figure out the credit worthiness of users? How is it different than how they normally do it? You know, I'm assuming this is like their equivalent to Experian or Trans. Yeah. So, okay. so, so they don't have they don't have um, Experian, TransUnion, Equifax. I don't know. It doesn't sound like it because they're saying that this particular company, this is what they do. They do credit scoring for banks. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do enough research into it, but it sounds like this is what this company does. It decides what your credit score is and who gets credit. And currently banks in the UK are using this firm to decide who gets credit and who So doesn't. if Apple owns this company, doesn't that, not monopoly is not the right word. But couldn't it be seen as, let's just say I'm overseas and I apply for a American Express card and I'm going through this credit kudos company and they approve me or, or they decline me or they approve me and they approve me with an APR of 17%. And then I'd be like, ah, let me shop around. And then I apply for an Apple card. And since at, since um, since uh, credit kudos, the the mechanism for deeming credit worthiness is owned by Apple, I could see somebody making a claim that if I then apply for an Apple card, I get approved, and not only do I get approved, I get an APR of twelve percent, as opposed to you know fifteen or seventeen or nineteen percent via American Express. I could see that being some problems, which kind of is the opposite of what Apple typically does. They kind of stay out of things, which is why they use Goldman Sachs to issue the Apple credit card in the first place. Cause Apple was mm -hmm. like, nah, we ain't into the credit card. Yeah. We're not financial institution. If you, you know, that's between you and Goldman Sachs. We are just the, the hardware and the software to actually make the transactions. It seems kind of not, it seems kind of different, a different approach to what Apple does. Typically does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this- But I'm wondering if it's middle, because right? it's banking is different in other countries than it is in the US. I think the US is probably uh, a very rare and specific way of handling banking. So I'm assuming that international banking is um, a lot different than, than how we handle it here. And 
maybe their option is to, you know, go this route. And um, yeah, looking at the website, it looks like it has all of these factors that go into what makes you worthy for, for credit. And it's disseminated to the different banking institutions. So I guess, I guess we, sometimes I have to say, you know, we take for granted, you know, here in the U.S., how things work here. We're kind of tunnel vision thinking that, oh, everybody works this way. No, we are a very specific breed. So the way we do banking and finance here, they have a whole international finance law rules, all those types of things. So it would stand to reason that the way they handle these type of financial transactions in other countries are different per country, um, different than the U.S. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, maybe they are trying to get into the game of of doing this after the success of the Apple Card in the in the U.S. So I don't know. I guess we'll see how this plays out. Like I said, neither one have um, have commented that this story is true. But I did go to the Credit Kudos website and I did click on their privacy policy and it sure enough takes you to the Apple privacy um, rules. And if you click on any of their, the legal, legal takes you over to to Apple. So, um, so yeah, so it looks like there is some sort of linkage. I guess we'll have to wait and see um, what actually comes of this and, and how this actually is going to work uh, internationally. Is it just going to be specifically for the UK? And if they want to branch out somewhere else um, into other parts of Europe, if there's something else they'll have to do. So um, this just happened this week from my understanding. So um, it seems to be all very fresh and very new. So we'll just kind of have to see how it how it plays out. Next up on the lowdown docket, Apple was hit for a second consecutive day of iCloud services being out. Um, the outages hit first on Monday and then another round on Tuesday, impacting Apple Music, books, podcasts on both iOS and macOS app stores um, were affected. There were partial outages and slowdowns on the second day. Um, for um, iCloud web apps, weather app, Apple Card, um, and the Game Center. And it appears as if everything was back up and restored by 7 uh, p.m. Eastern on yesterday. Did you notice any outages with, with anything that you were using? I did not. Uh, so this was news to me. Uh, again, you know, Sites are hungry for news and the smallest indication that something is wrong becomes front page news because of our 24 hour all day long, every second news cycle. And everybody uh, wants to be not, first. Yeah, not to say it wasn't an issue. I didn't notice at all uh, an issue. Uh, it could have just been luck of the draw. I wasn't really messing with, <laughs> you know, my stuff like that around uh, these times, but um this is one of those things to where if Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, you know, uh, Instagram, you know, has some sort of major outage, whether it be a blip, you know, or whether it be four days, you know, that becomes front page news and rightfully so, uh, because, you know, there are uh, these are big companies and they have a lot of users. <laughs> they have a lot of users data. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm putting my trust into you as a, a service product or service provider to make sure I have access to my products and services that I pay for because those never go down. They, you never hear an outage of Apple's payment processing to <laughs> uh, stop people from paying for their services. You never hear that. Right. So, you know, Apply that same logic to the services, too. <laughs> exactly. I, I want the same level of service. You know, so when something something like this go does go out, you know, rightfully so, blow it up. <laughs> yeah. And looking at, you know, it it's appeared to be like, of course, an inconvenience, especially when you have movies and those type of things. But I think the biggest thing that kind of stands out to me is Apple Card. 
So um, Apple Car didn't fully go out. It's it's listed as being one of the partial outages and slowdowns. But anytime you know you are impacting um, someone being able to purchase anything or or, or you know just their economic standard of, of living, that is always um, one of those things that gets people's kind of tongues kind of wagging and like, what's going on? I can't use this. I can't use that. So, but it looks like even though it was two days back to back of different services, it looks like everything is back up and running. But um, I thought it was interesting to note because I too did not notice that anything went out and I was like, oh, uh, okay, sure. I had no idea that anything kind of uh, changed. So it's one of those things where if it affects you, it just blows up your whole world. And if it doesn't affect you, you're like, oh, okay, sure. Mm -hmm. Didn't know that happened. So that wraps up the lowdown. Let's head on over to Second String where we talk all other tech. I didn't really see a whole lot out there this week that I felt was worthy to have a conversation about. But I did see this other item in second string where we talk all of the tech. Microsoft confirmed that it was hacked by Lapsus with a dollar sign at the end. And they are a group that is known um, for hacking into large companies. So it was confirmed by Microsoft that a single employee account was compromised, which kind of led to all this. Uh, Microsoft also said that um, it seemed to be limited and that it had no issues or impact on Microsoft customers. But the group did with this hack, they posted a torrent file on the web that included partial source code from Bing, who uses Bing, uh, Bing Maps and Cortana. I don't know, maybe in the Microsoft ecosystem, these are hugely popular um applications that people use i don't know uh <laughs> no <laughs> and that's mean uh, it is cortana, i was trying to give them a benefit <laughs> cortana is the only one i can think of uh that is you know microsoft's siri for uh windows machines so you have to be an avid windows user enough so that you'll actually use cortana on a regular basic basis it was hot when Windows Phone was out, but since Windows Phone kind of fizzled, I don't hear that much about Cortana. Right. And so essentially what happened is this hacking group, they performed a swim swat attack to gain control of an employee's phone number and text messages, which could cause problems, to gain access to the MFA codes, which that's, to me, that's the biggest thing. Aside from the source code being on the web, Okay, sure, whatever. But the fact that they were able to basically hack into um, an employee's phone and get control of their uh, multi-factor authentication codes that you, you that you have to use to be able to log into your corporate accounts, that to me is the glaring um, issue of this. And apparently how this group works, they use publicly available tools to explore. We're reading this from TechCrunch. Um, the group uses publicly available tools to explore an organization's user accounts to find employees that have higher level privileges and broad access. So basically, they're just out scavenging. Like, so what's out there? What can we possibly exploit? What can we possibly use? And when they find that particular employee that they can exploit, then they target um, development environments and collaboration tools like Jira, Slack, Teams where um, further credentials are stolen. So well, before what... they do, but there's like a, a step that even though these companies target, they, they find out who is a user that has elevated access, elevated privileges to access this information that they want, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not just as simple as, oh, we found the right person. Now let's hack them, right? That's not what they are doing. What they're way I understand it. The way I understand it is they identify the person that they want to attack and then they do like phishing and they have to get the user to to verify or enter or give up another piece of information. And then once they have that information, 
that's when then they have, all right, now we got the keys. Now let's get access to X, Y, and Z. But even in this case, it still takes human interaction. So there is still education that needs to be done or just not common sense is not the right word or just due diligence. I think it's exercise. A it's a must. It's a muscle you have to to work. That's why your company sends you these phishing emails to your work email and that our company sponsors. That's why you have to sit through those dumb yearly trainings on yes. stuff you can and can't click, and people yes. who you should get access to because you sit through them and you're like, "This is stupid." There's yes. no way in the world that I will fall for something this dumb. But they do it for a reason because people have fell for the okie doke. Yep. So yep. it sounds to me, bringing it back to the story, this they found somebody who fell for the okie doke. They yep. got the rest of the information that they needed. And then that's how they um, uh, hacked, you know, whatever services that they got into. And this is how they got the code for um, being, being mapped in Cortana, because once they got access they are able to use those credentials that they steal to get into, you know, code repositories like your and Git. Steal uh, is a, wrong, a strong word, deal. right? Again, they probably didn't steal it. They probably requested it and then the dude gave it to them. <laughs> so still might not be the uh, best word, but prodded might they be. They, they, yeah. they fooled the guy. Yeah, yeah. you know. And that's exactly I mean, what they they're saying it. it's happened. Technically yeah. speaking, they stole it because it, it isn't theirs. And if they yeah. got it, you know, for reasons other than, you know. What whatever. it was intended for. Yeah. Right, right. You can call that stolen. But me stealing is kind of like you going in the house for a minute and then I steal your car. What they doing in my mind is <laughs> <laughs> I walk up to your car while you're in it. And I'm like, hey, you mind if I drive? And you're like. I really don't okay. know you, but sure. And then I put drive off with your car. Technically, I stole it, back. but you yeah. you gave it to me. You yeah. said okay. <laughs> and that's what Microsoft has confirmed is what happened in this case. Because again, they pointed out it wasn't a massive hack. It was a single user that gave them kind of keys to the kingdom. So the other interesting thing about the story is um, it doesn't seem as if they, you know, again, took anything of consequence from Microsoft. If anything, this is probably going to be more training for Microsoft employees on, um, they're probably coming up with a new a new training module now. Uh, I'm sure emails kind of went out about, you know, what to click on, what not to click on, those type of things. But um, the bigger, another kind of bigger issue is, um, I don't know how to pronounce this, Octata is some sort of. Um, They're like uh, a big uh, media organization, I think. Um, connects no, people they are, tech. It's uh, a it's a authentication. Yeah, yeah. Uh, organization. The internet. They're uh, yeah. a trusted platform to secure every identity from customers to your workforce. So yeah, the <laughs> fact that they're um, able to hack that that's the, that spells and, bad news. <laughs> yeah, and they did. And I know I kind of saw it on social media, but I was like, I don't know what this is. I never heard of the company, so I just kind of kept going. But then in the story, they said that the same group did the same thing to this security, cybersecurity, multi-layer authentication company. But the kicker is it happened back in January. And this company never told anybody until now. So now, in addition to getting hacked, people can't trust you. From one, you're supposed to be the security source that they use, and God, then you got you got got, mm-hmm. and you didn't tell anybody, so you weren't even transparent in be- getting got because at some point everybody gets got. So the fact that you didn't say anything, and likely because this is your bread and butter, this is what you're supposed to, this is what your company does. You know, it's kind of like egg on your face, but now you got even more. You probably have larger issues at play here now because people they can come after you they're probably going to get sued especially since this is what three months old now or lose and the business. Only, yeah and the only reason they're saying something is because it happened to microsoft and it kind of got leaked that they were compromised as well so you weren't forthcoming you got got 
And now you are about to, you've, you've lost your credibility, honestly. I don't know who's going to trust you with their um, security authentication at this point. So that sucks for them. And I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's spelled O-K-T-A. So yeah, Okta. Okta, 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 Okta. Yeah. I, I don't know. But yeah, so, and looking at their stock price, they have, um, as of close of the market today, they took a, a 10% hit. So um, I suspect that this is going to, um, this is going to further um, drop as more information becomes available and people are able to roll off this platform and possibly roll on to something else. Again, the, uh, the Okta going back, which what I was saying, uh, um, reading this tech crunch story that I'm reading says Okta confirmed the breach, which it said was the result of lapsus compromising a third party customer support engineer and said it impacted around 2.5% of its 15,000 companies. So these masterminds, you know, you you watch movies like The Matrix and you watch all of the movies to where, you know, on on the team of this this crackpot team, they got, Mm -hmm. you know, the muscle, they got the brains of the operation, they got the getaway driver, and they got the nerd geek, right? The nerd geek Mm -hmm. guy is responsible for uh, you know, he's on his computer. He's got two or three screens. And he's typing furiously. Typing away. I made a back door into the this. And then I had to, <laughs> to fool the VPN to spoof this, to do that. When all they are doing is like they find some dude and they trick him. <laughs> and the dude gives up <laughs> all the information. So maybe going forward, these movies need to be more re- real. And when they have this this heist that they need to take over, maybe they just need to say, um, send an email to this dude. And say, hey, can you give me your password? And the dude is like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, bueno. All of this does not um, look good. And again, you know, this happened over a five day window, so it wasn't something quick and easy, kind of in and out. This did, you know, happen over a work week. So, yeah, yikes, yikesy, yikes. So that wraps up second string, unless you had anything you wanted to, to talk about. Nope. Alrighty. So we are going to head into for the culture where we talk about socially relevant things that we want to talk about. And in the latest installment of She Did That, which is a segment that we are using to highlight Women's History Month, our honoree for this week is Camille Hurst. She is currently the head of Spotify for Artists. And what Spotify for Artists is, is the resource for um, Spotify that provides artists and their teams to better understand, build, and build their audiences with uh, statistics, analytics, uh, and other educational resources. Um, She is a former head of product at Patreon. We are Patreon users. Um, and she's also the founder and CEO of this company called Kit, where she raised $2.5 million in startup money. And Kit is basically an online community for creatives. She is very clearly in the audio um, content space. And um, while she was at um, Patreon, she sold uh, her company Kit to Patreon um, for an undisclosed amount of money. And then she rolled up out of Patreon and headed on over to Spotify. Additionally, she holds two media-related patents and she has held previous leadership positions at both um, Apple, Google, and YouTube. As I mentioned, she is very firmly in the audio content space. So she is our She Did That for this week. All right, that's definitely getting that money. She's doing doing what other people do. You know, they sell to a company and for two years they're the head of something and then they roll out. And so she stayed just long enough to get her money and Make sure moved the check on cleared. to Spotify, which is, you know, again, Kate knocked the hustle. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Now for um 
this week's uh blood boiling uh section oh yeah (laughs) makes your skin crawl your blood boil your eyes budge out we are currently in the middle of the scotus confirmation hearings for judge katanji brown jackson the first black woman who is up for a supreme court justice seat first Um, black woman nominated nominated yeah, you got to be nominated first. So you would think at the very least a, a black woman would have been nominated and something fell through or whatever the case may be. Yeah. You know, she's the first black person nominated. So yeah. you got to get through this nomination. Right. Which is and the uh, other two um, black people who have um, gone through this nomination process and actually sat on the bench, third Guru Marshall and the current Clarence Thomas. <laughs> so I bring all of this up to say the the hearings uh, kicked off on Monday. Today is Wednesday, so we are in day three. This woman is supremely and highly qualified, more qualified than anyone who is currently sitting on the bench. Um, and we knew that she would have to be to even be even in this conversation. She would have to be far superior. Um, I think I saw somewhere that she has more um, trial experience than all of the current justices that sit on the bench combined. So and she- you know, to add, um, uh, uh, appointing a black woman to the Supreme Court was one of uh, Biden's campaign promises. So he is uh, doing a solid. You know, some of the things he's tried to put through haven't really went. the way they wanted them to go. But this one uh, is one of those things that, yes, she does have to be not or confirmed. Mm -hmm. um, And that will eventually be a formality. But until then, we got ridiculousness happening. (laughs) Abound. I've only, the only thing I've watched of these hearings, I watched her opening statement. I watched her friend introduce her. Everything else I've had to completely tune out because, again, it is skin curdling. It makes you want to pull out all of your hair. The audacity of all of these people who are supremely underqualified, who are below mediocre, who are actually challenging her, trying to have their gotcha moment with her who are trying to compare themselves to being civil, unlike the Democratic side of the aisle when they were trying to confirm Brett, I like the year Kavanaugh. Um, She would not be able to do a a hangnail of of the way that 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 man went through in his confirmation. Um, The questions that they are asking her um, they were off limits for Amy Barrett Coney uh, when she was um, being confirmed. There were specific things around her religion that they were told that they could not ask. And one of the first questions that Judge Jackson was asked is, "What's your religion?" On a scale of one to ten, how faithful are you? What church do you go to? Can you judge a Catholic? And I bring all this up to say, yes, the questions are maddening. Yes, the the whole process is just absurd. But for me, particularly as a black woman, having to see this woman, having to sit there and maintain her poise and maintain her grace while she's being badgered relentlessly by these white nationalist, racist white men and women, um, she has to maintain an, an un a saint-like amount of composure because any show of emotion, any show of negativity or voice raise or any type of quote-unquote aggressive behavior, they would just it wouldn't run be, it, it wouldn't ground. be equal. It wouldn't be the equal in the amount of judgment and amount of criticism because of her reactions, which you know you could make an argument that they were trying to get her out of her element, which again, it, because we are a little bit closer as far as culturally, as far as racially 
to this nomination as we were to other ones. We feel it a little bit more personal. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when the Democrats were um, uh, questioning Amy Coleman, Cohen Barrett, and Kavanaugh, you know, the same kind of tactics were being used to get them out of their element, to get them to slip up, for them to reveal the whole point of a nomination, in my opinion, is to get these uh, judges or these appointees or these nominees, rather, for them to get a sense of how they're going to rule in whatever cases that come to the Supreme Court. So they ask these questions to kind of get a precursor into how they're going to you know, what side of the aisle they're going to, what side they're going to stand when it comes to these different things. So that to me is not out of the ordinary um, for um, Judge Kentaji Brown Jackson. What um, I've reduced this to uh, specifically for her that is different than some of the other nominees is the fact that clearly the people, the politicians, asking these questions don't really care about what they're asking specifically as it relates to her being a judge or specifically how it relates to her being a Supreme court judge, uh, you know, a current judge where she is now, and then a Supreme court judge, they're asking questions because the, 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 the line of questioning that they're asking is really just them performing for their base, yep. which is why all of these questions about critical race theory are coming up with her nomination. Her being a judge, you know, these lower courts and all these current things that she's currently holding, and her being a judge for the Supreme Court really has nothing to do with her stance on critical race theory. Right. But they are at bringing this up because that is the buzzword of this political season. Of it's replaced socialism. It was right. socialism. So what they're doing is they are letting their base know, the people who are asking her, grilling her during this um, these uh, hearings, confirmation hearings, all they're doing is reaching out in so many ways, reaching out to this base and saying, hey, this is what's important to you. This is what I'm talking about. So when, when November rolls around, remember that I... I was the one taking the ju- the 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 confirmation the the Supreme Court justice nomination to task on critical race theory when in in reality the questions that they're asking are pretty much all of them that's why I tuned it out this ain't got nothing to do no questions have anything to do remotely with her how she's going to vote on any of these things that may come up abortion women's rights um Whatever the case may be, they're just showboating. So it's like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And and honestly, they don't care about her response either. And I think Senator Durbin said, you know, a bunch of y'all are just on here for political theater. You want to get your cool points. buzzwords in and you want to have that video. So when it is election time, you can roll that footage out and say, see, this is what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you said, none of the the questioning that the questions that they're asking her don't relate to anything how, on how she's going to rule. Right. Like, like the justice. question going back to what you were saying, I think uh, Lindsey Graham, I think asked her, or I, I, I would assume it's him because he's been the most outlandish, uh, you him know, the Ted question Cruz of what's your Hollywood. faith and on a level, a scale of one to 10, how devoted are you to what does that got to do with anything when the whole purpose of the American democracy is to separate church and state? So right. why even ask that question? Even right. if she said, I'm a devil worshiper and my uh, scale of one to 10, I'm like a 12. Mm. <laughs> if she can look at the facts of a case and make a judgment based on those facts, based on precedent, based on all the things that they use traditionally, historically to make a statement, who cares what she is? She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a, you know, I love, you know, goats, <laughs> you know, now that would be, of course, I'm, I'm being facetious, but right. at the same time, you know, so but you, honestly, you're not that far off because yeah. they were asking her if she thinks babies are racist. Right. They asked her to Asked-head define cruise. what a woman is, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's those type of things. And to be clear, 
they're not going to vote for her anyway. Again, they're just grandstanding and they want their base to, they want to be able to say, see, I, I, I stood up for you. I stood up to her. We're not going to let that go through. And honestly, I think it's going to come down to the first black female South Asian vice president being the tiebreak for this. Um, because it's going to go straight down, you know, which, the party which lines. An, which is another form of uh, um, hypocrisy because she, prior to the Supreme Court uh, nomination, she was approved and voted on and voted for by a lot of conservatives. Yeah. yeah. So for them to turn around and kind of go back on that, it's like, Par for the course. You it's like it I ain't. I'm not going to as blood boiling as some of those questions were. And you know, like you mentioned, I think what is equally as important is the fact that she has to sit through this with a smile on her face, and st- and she can't outburst. She can't cry like your boy Brett Kavanaugh. I love her. Right, right. If she does that, then you know that she's not she's going an to get the same woman. She's amount not, of grace. She's, yeah, she's know, not fit um, to serve because she can't keep her emotions. Yeah, in check. yeah, yeah. It's, it's a that different crap. scale, yeah. you know. So the fact that she has to sit through that, you know, because I would have been a little bit petty. <laughs> I'd have been like, "This is a form since this since this is a formality, and I'm pretty much going to get in. I'm about to take these shots, right?" <laughs> Okay, right. nothing you can do about it. So, but again, that's why I'm not a Supreme Court nomination. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm not in that seat because Petty Betty would be in full force, in full swing. Like, y'all are not going to play me like Cause, this. Because when y'all. that lady asked her, I can't think she's like, what? How do you define Marsha Blackburn? Yeah, I would have been like, Tennessee. I would have said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been my response. <laughs> what? <laughs> and and, and you be- could see the look on her face with some of the questions she was like, and I think she even said a couple of times to people, I'm I'm not sure what the question is you're asking me, because it's like they just got all the buzzwords that all of their racist buddies like, and they just put them in sentences with a the and a uh and an and periodically to kind of make it sound like a sentence because some of these or make it sound like out. a question because half right. of them weren't even questions because they answered that they it answered was just the diatribe. For her. It was just like they were doing their own kind of what do you call it at the um stump speech Saturday Night Live when they do their monologue. Oh, their monologue, it was like yeah, their yeah. monologue. It was like there's no questions in any of this. You're just you're taking this opportunity to try and knock down this black woman, you're taking this opportunity to try and have a, a rehash of Brett Kavanaugh to say, oh, we're so much more um, peaceful. We're so much, yeah, we're so much more civilized in the way the Democrats treated Brett Kavanaugh. But Brett Kavanaugh was accused credibly of raping someone. So yeah, you have a reason to do that. A little bit harder on that. Right. Because that (laughs) is valid. And all of his debt was paid before he was confirmed. So there's a lot you know, surrounding there. his yeah, nomination. So yeah, yeah he, it's, it's his a scrutiny lot of was a little bit more cru- uh, more scrutinized. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's one of those things where it's just, you know, I think this today, she was asked a question by Mr. Fist Pump to the white nationalist seditionist, uh, Holly. And she was like, I've, I've answered this question from multiple senators multiple times and I stand by my my previous response to say I said what I said mm-hmm. and that's it that's right. that's all I got there's there's no other way I can I can possibly say this any other way to your satisfaction because there is nothing that I could say right right that satisfy you at this point. So, yeah 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 so Oh, I just, I just hate that this su- supremely gifted and talented woman has to sit through this exercise. Yeah, and we all but it's know what it is. Course, you know, uh, yeah. she knew it was coming. She prepared, and looks like so far so good. So she just got to sit there, grin and bear it, like we, like we, like you know, women normally do, and yeah. and move on because this too shall pass. Yep. And every black woman knows every 
head tilt down glance that she gave at them. And every black woman specifically knows what it's like to sit in these rooms and in these spaces and experience these types of questions, looks, um, and attitudes towards them, regardless of how gifted and talented you are. It's unfortunately one of the crosses that we have to bear in our pursuit and um, strive and, and, and forward momentum into being the great women that we are. So that's pretty much where we are. Hopefully by the end of the week, um, we will be able to proudly welcome and honor um, our first Black female Supreme Court. It's, it's time. So ain't too much. Like I said, that's why I'm not worried. I don't, I don't think too much is going to derail this. So, And it's time. So it's coming. Yep. The hookup. Do we have anything this week? Uh, No. I uh, couldn't think of anything. Nope. Nope. All right. Then we will let that end there. In the news, where are you in the news this week, Brother Tech? Uh, nowhere. Uh, nothing going on specially. Uh, like I said, you can find me everywhere at Brother Tech. And if you're not listening to me on the Snob OS cast, uh, you can check me out on my other podcast where I co-host with uh, my two uh, co-hosts, Rob Dunwood and Stephanie Humphrey on The Tech John. That's T-H-E-T-E-C-H-J-A-W-N. You can go to the website, thetechjohn.com, or Hit us up on YouTube or social media at The Tech John. Cool. And I am nowhere in the streets this week, and I am happy about that. Um, but you can always follow me on social media at Tech Savvy Diva to get my fresh hot takes on whatever I'm talking about for that particular week. All right, that is our show for this week. We definitely want to thank you for tuning in. Definitely um, to be able to connect with us, to comment um, on the show, to share and support the show, you should head on over to snobwestcast.com and get all of the details there. That's our show for this week. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next week. Peace. Bye, everybody. Bye.